If you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini-episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all of our past mini-episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or Smug Film or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month or more through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, You'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, the movie The Protector with Tony Jaw, whatever it is, we'll plug it. And for $10 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do that 30-second plug on every single episode of the show. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is John D'Amico. Hello. And our embedded reporter, Carl Garcia. Hello. Live from Hollywood. Yeah. Big man over here. Yeah. Yeah. Dealing and dealing. How's Holly weird lately? It's been uh, it's been all right. You in a white the... blazer right now? No. Oh. Any star <laughs> sightings? You see any stars? Um... Or is the light pollution too bad over there? Oh, whoa! Oh, I don't get it. Wrecked. Can't believe it. Mm. I can't believe you bring me on just to knock me down. Mm. We brought you on to smoke you and to talk about Gilligan's Island. (laughs) All right, that's it. So yes, get ready because we're we're loading both barrels up with smoking you, and then another, (laughs) I guess, third barrel up with Gilligan's Island. We were very thoroughly discussing uh, Gilligan's Island before we started recording. And uh, yeah, Gilligan's Island exists. Carl's our Marianne in that we're going to introduce him from now on as Ed and the rest. Yeah, that's kind of a burn in the beginning of uh, Gilligan's Island. Oh, it's crushing. Yeah. It's because of the three of you, I represent the common man. So (laughs) yeah, all the society behind me. You're the proletariat. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about in regards to the opening, just pull up the opening of Gilligan's Island and you'll you'll get what we're talking about. But today is not about Gilligan's Island. Ultimately, it is about Hitchcock. I downed a lot of cock this week, uh, filling my holes. You have five cocks out at once, right? Five cocks in one week. Five cocks in your hands. Coming out of the subway there. That's right. Recall. Yes. Would you say you prefer those like virile young cocks or that that experienced older cock you had? Oh, yeah. uh, I I preferred one virile young cock a lot and is my number one of the five cocks. Ironically, probably the shortest. Yes, the shortest cock I, I <laughs> preferred the most. I think it was the second shortest cock, actually. Yeah. The shortest cock was number five, way down low on my list, and that would be The Man Who Knew Too Much, the original, not the 50s tell, version. Tell them what the five cocks you juggled were. Five cocks were Man Who Knew Too Much. That was my bottom barrel. That's That's number five of the five. Number four, I would put The Lady Vanishes. Uh, I love that lady vanishes. Relatively short cock. That lady had a good cock. Number three would be Frenzy. Number two would be uh, Shadow of Doubt. Number one, my favorite, second shortest cock, but it's my favorite, 39 Steps. Unbelievable. That's a lot of people's favorites. That's on Broadway. It's fantastic. Also, the Broadway show is really funny. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
real good. Yeah, it's it's my second favorite Hitchcock now after Psycho. I cool. I, I adored it. It was wonderful. Uh, no, I'm I, not nothing against Shadow of a Doubt. Great film. I know you guys were really expecting me to just fucking adore that one, and I did. But Thirty Nine Steps just absolutely blew me away. Sometimes you know it's the cocks you least expect that, mm-hmm. that hit you the hardest. <laughs> The cocks you least expect. Tell them, tell them. The ones that go the deepest, really. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it went deep with me. And uh, 39 (laughs) Steps, real deep. Uh, I I, I love that. something inside of you. (laughs) I'm dying over here. Yeah. (laughs) Tell the people why you did this. I did this because there's there's a lot of holes in my, my cock enjoyment. I've enjoyed some cocks. I've not enjoyed some cocks. And... I, there's a lot of cocks that were unexplored and I had to explore some other cocks to get a sense of cocks in general because I've, I had opinions about, about cock that you know now having, having enjoyed or rather uh, participated in something with these other cocks, you know, some of my assumptions about cock were totally correct. Some of them were totally off. Like with 39 Steps, I did not expect that from cock and it was amazing. What didn't you expect about it? It was so uh, streamlined and snappy and nothing excessive. There wasn't any of that. That's so interesting that you don't expect that from him because those were like his signatures. Yeah, I really didn't know that he could do that. That was like what he was known for doing. But it's funny because you came to him almost like backwards. Yeah. You know, you came to like the later stuff where he was starting to spread out a little bit. But what he really was known for was that Swiss watch pacing yeah, tremendous, tremendous uh, film. It's one that I, I could watch a million times. Uh, Shadow of Doubt, I don't see myself seeing that many more times. I'm sure if I did, I would like it even more. I liked it a lot. Shadow of the Doubt. What? Go ahead, Carl. Oh, I just coughed. <laughs> you piece of shit. Get him off the air. Cut his mic. Do this every time you're in the middle of something. I'm going to cough. And you're going to be like, oh, go ahead. And I'll be like, oh. I've always wanted to do that. Just just another cough. For like an entire episode, just wait until somebody else was a couple words into what they were saying and then just like make a disturbance. Yeah. Like a different one every time, but for the entire thing and just see how many times I could get away with it until you scrap the show. Mm. But anyway, Shout Out of a Doubt, I think, is cool for having like maybe the best realized house Oh god. Any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Not just the house, but the occupants too. Yeah, but I mean just in terms of knowing where people are. Yes. I mean the geography of that house is you have to be like him and have made like 50 movies before that to even know how to do that. I know it like the back of my hand now. Just yeah. have, having seen it once and even like halfway into the film, you you know what that house looks like. I could draw a diagram of where every room was. Yeah. It's like Simpsons. Yeah. And how many seasons of The Simpsons did it take to get that way, you know? I don't know anything that does that that fast, just quickly. And that was a a goal. He designed the set so that you would have that um, feeling with it, which is cool. I wish more people would do that because it's... I think it adds to the tension a lot that you're not left out of it at all. Yeah, it goes a long way. Absolutely. Uh, What was your experience with uh, Shadow of a Doubt, Carl? Because I know you're, you're into that one. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a while. I actually rewatched it last night for this. Man, it's still awesome. 
Joseph Cotton is really fucking creepy, of course. Mm. Um, but what I noticed this time around is like how good Teresa Wright is too. Like, oh yeah, she's, she's just having a total battle of self from scene to scene. Like each scene, she feels like a different person because she's not sure who she is yet. Yeah, she's you know great. who? You know who my favorite in it? It is. I don't the know why that was so hard. The book, <laughs> Hume Cronin. Oh yeah, <laughs> Hume Cronin is my dude. <laughs> he is awesome. Him and the father just wandering around talking about how they would kill each other. I think that's my favorite part of the movie. He's like Bob Balaban in that movie. He is. He's, yeah. he's very Bob Balaban. <laughs> There's some really good Hollywood joke that ends, I never miss a Hume Cronin picture, but I don't remember the setup. Mm. So if anybody knows it, call in. I don't think anybody's going to know the, it. <laughs> I never miss a Hume Cronin picture joke. Somebody will know. Somebody will Google it and pretend yeah. like they knew it. Danny Reed will know. You think Danny Reed's... Danny, I'm looking at you. You know that Frank Santapadre, if he's listening, would know. <laughs> he, he, he could know. He'd know the Hume Cronin joke. Okay. Yeah, if you know it, please please call in. It was probably good. I remember laughing. You remember laughing? Okay. But I do... I'm predisposed to love Hume Cronin. Tremendous man. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, Teresa Wright. I mean, that's her picture. Uh, oh, that, yeah. She... I mean, Joseph Cotton and her, that dynamic, I've always said... And by I've always said, I mean, I said this to Carl two days ago, and uh, I'm going to pretend like I've always thought it, but it really, it only came into my mind two days ago. My favorite undermined thing in film is incest. I said that to Carl three days ago. Ah, damn it. Carl said that to me four days ago. <laughs> I locked myself I in think the I s- and said it to myself five days ago. You fucking liar. <laughs> I think I said it to him six days ago, honestly. But oh, um, damn it. Yeah, now that I recall. Yeah, incest just gives a weird charge to these things, right? Especially because we know that they're actors and they're not related. So you can go further with it than you ever could if, like, it was a, a dad actor and a his actual daughter actor or an uncle. And yeah, then he got an Asia Argento situation. Yeah, then it's a little... It, it get Exactly, into that territory. And it's a little weird and you can't really appreciate the dynamic of it. But well, Hitchcock was mad Freudian too. I yeah. Mean, that, you know, he really, he loved that stuff. There's something about the role play of these, these two people we know are unrelated going through those emotions and they're related in the film, which I, I just think it enhances the dynamic so tremendously. It's like, I don't understand why it's not done way more. Uh, it was done in like the dreamers to, to good effect. And I feel like that movie sticks out in people's heads uh, more than a lot of the other kind of movies along that type, not necessarily thematically, but like NC-17, that kind of thing. Like that one just kind of is the better one of that whole grouping. Because there was like a time period where there's a bunch of those like NC-17, like French or Italian movies with like those young actors uh, kind of thing. I'm, I'm blanking on these names, but uh, like Sex and Lucia, Etc. There was like a time period where it was just like a bunch of those at once. And I think Dreamer sticks out because it had that extra dynamic. Are these all in your erection collection on your hard drive? <laughs> yes. It's my folder, the erection collection. The uh, the Mel Gibson Hamlet popped some incest into it and really... Oh, yeah? Really popped that uh, Gertrude situation. You, you like that one a lot. I've never seen that one. Well, you know, it's super long, so I don't blame you, but okay. it's really good. Yeah, you like uh, his... Uh, is Hamlet. But they uh, they really slam Hamlet and Gertrude as two possible body slammers. Mm-hmm. And uh, not in the wrestling sense. Yeah. In the domestic uh, bed sense. And it really, like, man, it makes you squirm mm. when they're on screen. You're like, all right, fucking, I'm going to die. 
Yeah, it, it's really chilling the dynamic between uh, Cotton and and Teresa Wright in this film, man. It's so believable that she would uh, build him up in her mind, just his yeah. energy, uh, and I when, think that's really key to selling it. When he's not around, she acts like him too, which is like kind of creepy. Like Ooh, there's, yeah. uh, you got that scene where those two detectives are in the house pretending to be like uh, census people or whatever, and uh, they'd like shoot her at the same kind of angle they've been shooting Joe Cotton the whole time, and she's kind of just looming over everybody, like being a wise ass, and it's like, mm. no, stop. Then Hitchcock hammers you with that shot that he does so much better than everybody else, and everybody else wants to do it as well as him where the bad guy just turns and looks at the camera. Oh, man. I don't know why, um, but man, nobody could do that like Hitchcock. The yeah. thing I found with that scene when I watched it again last night is, um, oh, well, I'm, I'm thinking of a different, uh, you're talking about the close-up where he turns and looks at the camera. I was thinking about a different part, but anyway. Well, I mean, any time it happens, it happens. Yeah. So. Um, you have that first dinner scene, and like there's a wide shot, and like Joe Cotton's at the far end of the table, like in the center of the frame. Um, and he looks really warm and pleasant. And then they go, he and Teresa Wright go in the kitchen and that's when he gives her the ring and they have a talk about secrets and stuff. And then at the Which, end of by that the way, scene, they're in a kitchen, he gives her a ring and they have the talk about secrets, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Hitchcock with these movies, just he puts it all on the line and then somehow nobody stopped him. And then at the end of that scene, like she walks away, Joe Cotton kind of turns to the camera and he's got this like stone face on like this very sinister stone face it fades to that ballroom dancing shot that comes oh, back again. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it fades back to the same shot of the kitchen table, only it looks way more sinister. And I was like, okay, what did he do? That's what a hot fade. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at the shot and I'm like, oh, he turned on all these lights in the back, so they're creating all these high shadows. And I, I rented this off of YouTube, so I just kind of scrolled back and look at the first shot. It's exactly the fucking same. The only difference is like Joe Cotton has changed. He's he's sitting a little stiffer and his head is turned. So his face is catching more shadow. And like, that's the only thing it makes the entire shot way more sinister. Wow. It's real cool. He was a fucking genius. The, uh, the best I think of those villain looking at the camera shots, which there are so many through the course of his career. Um, if you have to discount rear window, because that's like, that's like a perfect moment. And it's just not even fair to consider anything else next to it. (laughs) But, um, Strangers on a Train, the tennis sequence. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, entire careers have been, empires have been built on worse foundations than that shot. That's just the perfect use of space and the perfect use of uh, the fourth wall as something that he could break without any anybody questioning it. I don't know how he did that. He was just so ballsy, you know? Anybody? Anybody on ballsy? <laughs> <laughs> that cock sure was ballsy. Yeah, all the cocks that I downed this week, all ballsy in their own way, I got to admit. Even the ones I didn't like, they're all doing something different. I didn't see him repeating himself in the way that he often... Like, people people assume Hitchcock just repeats himself all the time, but he does it in different ways. Who are these people? I don't know, people on the internet, probably. Nerds? Fuck those internet geeks. people. Uh, you know. Yeah, he's always doing something different. And I, I really appreciate that with him. Like with, uh, you know, Frenzy, obviously a deviation in a lot of ways. You know, he's he's going overtly R. He got some titties in there. and Good looking butt, too. Very good looking butt. Good shot, too. Yeah. Good butt, good shot. I didn't like that one as much as uh, 
I thought I was going to because I think just like the style of it and the clothes and the faces and it just wasn't for me. We might have talked it up too much because the thing about Frenzy is it's really good when you watch a lot of other Hitchcocks uh-huh. and then you get to Frenzy and you're like, holy fucking shit. You it's know? like watching an old dog do new tricks, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, what do you like, like most about dog. it? I think um, Frenzy, I think, is best viewed with the lens that he was like out of fashion at that point. Okay. You know, that's the mid 70s. That's the Exorcist era, the French Connection era. He was like a living legend at that point, And he was sort of embalmed. And um, he, ever since Psycho, he always had this um, sort of inferiority complex about um, European cinema and uncensored cinema. So he, uh, the reason he made Psycho was because he saw Breathless and he was like, the French are 30 years ahead of us. Mm. So he made Psycho to try to remedy it. And ever since then, he always carried this sort of, you know, like sense of being a little behind and a little um, indulged more than truly loved, if that makes sense. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he was an institution. So to get this scrappy, truly grungy, violent, and still impeccably beautiful and like unbelievably tense. I mean, the thing with the the hat pin and the potato sack and everything is just, you know... It's another one of those things where entire careers were built on less than that. And to get this at this moment where a guy is supposed to be retired and 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 gone, you know, he was like a 70, 80 year old man at the time. Mm. And it's just such, it feels like a young movie to me, especially um, what I think is the most sinister shot in his entire career, which is a high bar, a very high bar, is when the guy you know is the killer walks into the apartment with the heroin. Yeah. Yeah, and the door shuts and the camera very quietly just pulls out into the street, down the stairs, out the door, into the street, and the ambient noise of the street picks up and drowns out what you presume is her screaming and you never hear it. And the um, the foiled expectations of it are so unsettling. Like, just the fact that there's no catharsis and that you never, like, hear a scream or or get, like, a a sound of like something falling over or anything. It's just this like dread, right? quiet that goes into a, into the noise of, of uh, irrelevance, you know? I wonder if I would have liked it more with different casting and maybe a different specific time period. Like I, I think it was just, a, I don't like the look of anything in it and I don't like look of the look of the people. So I've got that going against me. Well, I don't like the look of you, but I've been yeah. doing this. I, I mean, that's a good point, you know? It's a bad look. <laughs> we have Carl on because we don't have to look at him, right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You're Just not in a white, you're not in a white jacket out there? I am now. I went and put one on while you were talking. Nice. Good. You got sunglasses? Yeah. Are you driving right now? Yeah. Nice. Are you talking on the phone to us and then with the other hand making the call me gesture at other people? <laughs> yeah. Is it a car phone? Yes. Nice. Like one How of those much big cocaine? boxy ones wrapped in leather. How much cocaine is in the glove compartment? Um, it's like uh, one of those magic eight balls. I hollowed it out. Oh, nice. Eight like, ball full like, of eight ball. You, know, you put a straw in it like you're at a beach resort or something, and you just go at it. Do you have a little umbrella for it? Yeah. A little parasol? You got, uh, you got 80s ladies with the 80s long asses in the, in the backseat? Gotta love 80s long ass. Yes. 80s long ass, possible worst look of all time. <laughs> <laughs> let's just extend the ass upward. Yeah, let's just, 
Because that's what people want. They, yeah, they, bring it right <laughs> up to the small of the back. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Do you have the American Gigolo soundtrack in your car? Yep. Nice. See, Got you're the, doing the this right. Frontal shot of Richard Gere hanging off the rearview window. <laughs> you're doing this all right. So, so what that's do you, it. What do you like about Frenzy Guy? Do you like Frenzy? I, I, I like Frenzy. Yeah. I only saw it the one time a long time ago. Like uh, primarily, what I remember is that shot John just talked about, which okay. is a great shot. But yeah, like I said, it, it does have the nice vibe of being an old dog doing some new tricks, um, and that's pretty cool. Uh, it is much better than all his other like final movies. Like Topaz sucks. Family Plot sucks. Family uh, Plot doesn't suck too hard, but like it sucks just enough. Yeah, pretty much. Like it ain't Topaz. Topaz, oh my god. It ain't Torn Curtain either. Oh yeah, Torn Curtain is Torn Curtain like doesn't it's not shitty, but it's just a big fat wad of nothing. It's just like oh, okay. Uh who are the leads in that? I remember they had like no chemistry at all. Isn't Torn Curtain the Paul Newman one? Yeah. It's Newman and somebody. Paulie, my boy. The Newman's. Newman's own bad Hitchcock movie. <laughs> the Newman Zone. I would love to be in the Newman zone right now. Either Paul Newman or Newman from Seinfeld. Either zone. Good zone. I think the Newman zone is going to be real cool, but it's actually that pit and hug where he killed all those cows. Like, that's the Newman zone. (laughs) I would hang out in a dead pestilent cow pit with Paul Newman. (laughs) And Patricia Neal. If Patricia Neal is in there, forget it. Oh, man. I'm not leaving that pit. That's my pit. I'm already in a dead pestilent cow pit. It's a New York There's no way to describe Cody's apartment. Eh, crushed him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so continuing along with the cock, Lady Vanishes, let's go next. Because Lady Vanishes is a movie that I can conceive of a person saying, oh my God, I really love that movie. That's like my favorite movie. Because like, I feel like if you're keyed into the vibe of it, it's just like the greatest It's a thing perfect ever. Sunday morning hangover movie. Yeah, it's, it's like the greatest hangover movie. I wasn't into any of it, but I yeah. could conceive of people liking it, so I give it some credit because of that. Uh, I think it's just super funny and charming and low-key. And if it's like 10 a.m. on a Sunday and your head hurts, <laughs> like you cannot ask for a better movie than The Lady Vanishes. Yeah, I didn't think it was funny at all. Wasn't into it. Carl, have you seen that one? Yeah. Um, again, another one I only saw once a while ago. Um, I remember really liking the ending when everybody's just kind of like getting involved in this spy shootout and having their little oh, it's so repartees. funny. When yeah. the one dude gets shot, it's so funny. That doesn't sound nice, but it really is. Like, he takes it very well. <laughs> that should be in the box. <laughs> when the one dude gets shot. So funny. Exclamation point. You remember John that party DeMico has that, film. like, super low-key response <laughs> no, to getting I mean, shot? I'll give you that. Sure. It was a good joke. Yeah. Oh, bother. I've been shot. I don't remember. It's something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's not for me, but it's not. I can't say it's bad because it's so just blatantly not for me that it, it is what it is. But uh, Man Who Knew Too Much, that's one that, you know, even people that like it have to admit it's pretty flawed. I didn't like it, and I didn't, you know, the flaws definitely got in the way for me. Uh, Hitchcock himself, he, you know, he thought of himself as like a a talented amateur when he made that film. And, you know, he made it, he remade it because he thought he could do better. Which is weird because he has better movies before it. Like way better movies. Yeah, I think he's just trying to get away with the fact with the fact that he just kind of bobbled that one. Yeah, because you already made blackmail and you already made the lodger, so don't run that talented amateur <laughs> game on me. <laughs> we saw that stuff. Yeah, what, what do you think went wrong with it? If you had to pinpoint it, do you think it, it it felt very first of all like underdone? 
Yeah, you know, he has movies till the end of his career that are like that. That yeah. are just, you know, like, it's like he never gets out of first gear. Mm. And they're always, you know, still beautifully shot and competently everything. But like, you know, he has these ones where you feel like sometimes he's just, he doesn't want to get out of the chair to do them. What do you think is it that makes a bad Hitchcock movie, if you could pinpoint it? Because I've been trying to pinpoint that uh, just in watching his stuff, because I'm I'm real hit or miss with Hitchcock notoriously. Uh, did you like that? Notoriously? Whoa. Get it? I'd say I'd Notorious. say lack of uh, lack of sexual lack of sexuality is a big one. Like any Ooh, yeah, Hitchcock I can think of kind of has nothing sex wise going on in it. You mm. just you're in this for pounding off and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually, I think that's a really good uh, thing. I'll throw along those lines. The bad Hitchcock movies are the ones where he doesn't feel sadistic. Mm. The good yeah. ones are the ones where he's like every step of the way he's trying to torture you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good observation. Which is why Psycho is his best because he's playing the he's playing the fucking piano of the audience so well in that you can hear the fingers hitting the keys. Mm. Well, that would actually be playing it poorly <laughs> if we were talking about him playing the piano goodly. You make a good point. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing the violin of the audience so well you couldn't even hear the, that. That I don't really know the violin <laughs> stuff that well. Do you know any instrument? Well, I mean, in the sense of a cool metaphor in this way. Yeah, I'm really I'm coming up with nothing. Carl, what do you got? Embedded reporter He's playing the harp of the audience so well, you can hear him plucking the, the harp strings. But again, isn't that bad? <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I think I think it's just a flawed metaphor. I think you can't land that metaphor. Yeah, this might just be, you know, it's built on a swamp. This metaphor. <laughs> Looks nice, but immediately once you, yeah, once you step on it, it starts to slide into the earth. Yeah. Anyway, he he's really good in Psycho. <laughs> he's very good. He's he is very good. He um, I I like the ones where he's like guns out, where he's got no mercy for you. Blackmail is like that too, and the Lodger is like that, where he just you know any opportunity he's gonna kick you in the head, mm. throw you under a bridge, fill the bridge with birds. Well, thirty nine steps. I think worked so well because it felt like uh, like the kind of pressure, like he had to make a finish a movie in a certain amount of time, and the characters feel like they have to get through shit in a certain amount of time. Like it feels, it's like a very breakneck pace, and he he doesn't stop on anything long enough to like lose the pace. Like the pace is never lost for the entire film, and that's that's always one of my favorite things when I'm watching a film. Whether uh, I think the movie is a tremendously great film or not, like. A movie like Mortal Kombat 2 Annihilation, I love most of all for the fact that it never breaks its pace whatsoever. It just breaks from start like to finish. And yet you don't like gravity. Yeah, I don't like gravity at Fucking all. Fucking hypocrite over here. Yeah, I hate here. gravity. Fucking loser. Hate it. Uh, one it's literally, probably... it's, hold on, I'm not done yelling at him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's literally it, what you're it. describing. Like the entire premise of the movie is that experience. Yeah, on paper. I no, don't think in it, practice. No, I don't think in practice. I think... Uh, it gets a little too precious with certain stuff. Carl, you're taking this over now. This is your <laughs> podcast. What, okay. what kind of cock were you going to recommend him? Uh, foreign Correspondent. Ah, oh, that's good cock. I'll probably yeah, like very it. Very much huh? in the same spirit as 39 Steps. Not as well paced, but like still pretty well paced. And like it's got that same kind of uh, European adventure. Mad umbrellas vibe. in that movie. Yeah. I like umbrellas, umbrellas for days. See, I like umbrellas in film, but I don't like umbrellas of uh, Sherberg. Do you like? Uh, yeah, you know me neither. Yeah, yeah, I like uh, Young Girls of Rochefort like way better. Yeah, yeah, 
But I do like umbrellas. Umbrellas in are movies. fantastic. Not in real life. I hate them in real life. Oh my god, they're the worst. Like, uh, do you like windmills in movies? Oh, it can't be a good windmill. Action. Windmills are yeah. good. Windmills. Frankenstein's are- still the the uh, oh, great the king. Yeah. Underused windmills, I think, in film. By well, and large. You know, we don't really do anything with like the cool modern windmills. It's true. Back in the day, they had they had windmills going left, right, and center in films. But now, in this nuclear power age, you just don't see them as much. Yeah. But thirty nine steps. One thing I <laughs> thirty nine. John Amico is slowly becoming Neil Hamburger. I've noticed. I'm the last a- couple of episodes have been punctuated with uh, coughs and uh, haggard uh, voice. I'm tired a lot lately because I'm adjusting to a new commute and I'm eating very spicy chicken right now. <laughs> and this com- and I ran out of water. So this combination of elements, it's really, uh, I'm turning into like, it's like I'm in Andersonville, you know, it's like the end of the Civil War and there's nothing for me to drink and I got nothing but hardtack. But 39 steps, one thing that I really enjoy about that particular feature film Mm-hmm. The 39 steps. I'm just trying to be as articulate as possible now. Is, uh, it's so, it's like the last silent film he made, you know? Yeah. Those, those, uh, compositions, especially when they're on the moors and the dude's like gesturing with his cane and he's yelling and you can't hear them oh, yelling. Gorgeous. And those great silhouetted shots of the people chasing him on the moors is just. Yeah. You know, that's that's 20s Hitchcock back in, a, in effect. You know what it felt like? It felt like a Tintin book. And I feel I wish that Ooh, Hitchcock had ever did. ever done a Tintin because if he had done it like Thirty Nine Steps, it would have been amazing. Carl, what's the one that ends in the British Museum? Because that's Mad Tintinny. That's the Tintin. Tale, oh shit! Tale. I don't remember. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, Krappenstein. It's is it sabotage? It, I think it is Ah uh, Krappenstein. It might be sabotage. It's either that or Ah uh, Krappenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Hitchcock's best title actually, Ah uh, Krappenstein. What is Hitchcock's best title? Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Psycho's good. He has the monopoly on the word psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Any title that gets a monopoly on a word is automatically the best. I don't know. Strangers on the Tra- Strangers on a Train might be the best title. That title is like It's a good it's a great title, yeah. That title's like a story. Yeah. In and of itself, you know? Mm-hmm. But like E.T. Extraterrestrial, Spielberg has that. He has a monopoly on that. And close encounters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love monopoly titles. Yeah. Swamp thing. If ever you're a thing in a swamp, you know, <laughs> if ever you're just pointing to something in a swamp, they're like, oh, that's swamp thing. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't happen much, but we don't live around a swamp. If we right. did, you don't know. It's true. If it's we true. were two miles from the Okie Finokie, I could be pointing at things in swamps all the time. And he'd be like, oh, he's got a monopoly on that title, old Wes Craven. Uh, Frenzy is a good title because uh, it's a word that's underused, I think. Frenzy's a very William Castle title. To yeah, me. yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, like, after Psycho came out, William Castle made his movie Homicidal, which was his Psycho, which is really good, by the way. Uh, and Frenzy feels like if there was another William Castle who was making the William Castle knockoff version of the William Castle knockoff of Psycho, <laughs> okay, he would name it Frenzy. Right. Well, you it's kind of like Mad and Cracked. Yeah. And then there was, like, the third one, which now I can't remember the name of, but, like, Cracked was a version of Mad, and then there was a version of Cracked. Fucked. What was the version of Cracked? Ugh. Oh, I can see the covers. Oh, balls. Uh, if you know the, ver- the what I'm thinking of, the knockoff of Cracked, uh, let me know. But goddamn. Or the British Museum one, which I think was Sabotage. Not Saboteur. Ah. 
which was the wartime one. Statue of Liberty. Yeah. So what should be my next cocks, by the way? Because uh, I'll, I'll just grab some more cocks and, and give them a go. You can't just pick cocks up on the street. You're not Have that you good Have you seen looking. Strangers on the Train? I, yeah, that'll be in my next batch. Strangers on the Train is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, Saboteur and foreign, is pretty great. Foreign Correspondent, Saboteur. You want me to do Sabotage yeah. as well? Um, If Sabotage really ends with if the I've British Museum. It. You don't think you've seen it? I don't think so. I'll do whatever the British Museum one is. I like museums and film. I like that Wallace and Gromit where they steal the jewel. That's fun. Hell yeah. Now I don't think it's Sabotage. Because sabotage involved a lot of sabotage. Right. Was the whole hook of it. You know, it was... Are you sure? uh, I'm reasonably (laughs) sure. There was a bomb in it, as I recall. And the British Museum one wasn't a bomb. They were just scuttling about. All right. Well, we'll we'll go to break and we'll we'll figure out what that one was. Blackmail. Blackmail. Blackmail? Ah, blackmail is the dopest. I'm looking forward to blackmail, cock. Blackmail is the dope sack. Blackmail and the lodger are spectacular. All right. Blackmail, I've only seen that knife scene, but it's fucking awesome. Oh, watch the rest of Blackmail. The thing about it is he did it silent and he did it sound because it's Britain's first sound film. Okay. Yeah, Blackmail, the making of it's super interesting. So he did the silent version with this woman, Anna Undra, who didn't speak English very well. So they were going to do the sound version. This was 1929, so they had no idea how to really do um, dubbing. But they're like, well, this woman doesn't speak English, so she can't play the lead. And Hitchcock's like, no, she's playing the lead. So uh, they didn't know how to dub it yet. So what they did was she says all her lines in the entire movie, and she's the female lead, so she's in a lot of this film. Mm. She says all her lines, she mouths them, and then this woman off screen says them along with her. <laughs> oh, my God. And they do that for the entire movie. You've seen that famous sound test, right? Yeah. With that actress. Yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. But the thing about blackmail is if I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Because Hitchcock really, he he was... One of the great uh, technical directors ever. I mean, he was so talented at that sort of thing. But the thing about it is that everybody always tells you, oh, the silent version of Blackmail is better because it's the version Hitchcock wanted to do. They are flat out lying to you. The sound version is actually way better because mm. he uh, he starts to experiment and he starts to play a lot. And there's just a lot of really wonderful uh, sound-based scenes in it and sound-based beats in it. All right. That he couldn't do in the silent one. Yeah, blackmail cock it is. Next for me. And uh, we'll be right back. See you soon. And now, Smug Film presents Robot Reenactments. If there's something strange in your neighborhood, who you gonna call? Ghostbusters. If it's something weird and it don't look good, who you gonna call? Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid ain't no ghost. I ain't afraid ain't no ghost. If you're seeing things running through your head, who can you call, Ghostbusters? An invisible man sleeping in your bed. Oh who ya gonna call, Ghostbusters? I ain't afraid ain't no ghost. I ain't afraid ain't no ghost. Who ya gonna call, Ghostbusters? If you're all alone pick up the phone. And call, Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid ain't no ghost. I hear it likes the girls. I ain't afraid ain't no ghost. Who you gonna call, Ghostbusters? Um, if you've had a dose of a freaky ghost baby, you better call Ghostbusters. Busting makes me feel good. I ain't afraid ain't no ghosts. Don't get caught alone oh no, Ghostbuster. When he comes through your door, 
unless you've just got some more. I think you better call Ghostbusters. Who? Who you gonna call, Ghostbusters? Who you gonna call, Ghostbusters? Ah, uh, I think you better call, Ghostbusters. I can't hear you, Ghostbusters. Who you gonna call, Ghostbusters? Louder Ghostbusters. Who you gonna call, Ghostbusters? Who you can call Ghostbusters? Till fade. This has been a robot reenactment. Now, back to the show. Hello, I am the hunky smug film sponsor plug man. I'm here to tell you about the fine people who support the Smug Film Podcast through Patreon. You all should check out Bobby Slow on Twitter, he's a very funny and good man who tweets funny and good things and is worthy of your love. And he has a really good Twitter ratio of followers to following. That's impressive. Once again, that's Bobby Slow on Twitter. You should also check out Minor Key Games. Go on over to MinorKeyGames.com and check out these awesome computer games made by David and Kyle Pittman. Two brothers that make great video games with an old school feel. Cody hates new video games for the most part, but he enjoys the heck out of these. Once again, that's MinorKeyGames.com. Also, be sure to check out Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper's documentary about the cult classic film The Room. It's a great documentary that we all love here as Smug Film, and go to roomfullofspoons.com to find out when it's coming to your city. Thank you for listening to my hunky voice, and thank you all who have donated to the show. And if you would like to be plugged on the show, please head on over to patreon.com slash smugfilm and donate. And now, back to the episode. Hello. I am the new Smug Film voicemail plug lady. I'm sexier, better, and lovelier in every way. Anyway, please leave a question or a comment for the Smug Film Podcast at 718-395-9711, and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening to my beautiful voice, and now, back to the show. And we are back. Let's listen to some voicemails. Here we go. Yeah, uh, I want to explain the Claude Rains supreme joke to uh to john um it is a reference to uh haitian dictator john claude duvalier uh aka baby doc son of papa doc uh he reigned supreme in haiti and therefore that is a joke i would also like to bring up that the street fighter casablanca reference casablanca is casablanca but the guy from street fighter his name is spelled with a k like the word blank and therefore, he should be Blanca, and Casablanca should be Blanca. That's all. All right. Fucking Dr. Science. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, first of all, he's totally right about the Claude Rains thing. I finally get it. I didn't know you were yeah. that up on your uh, Haitian history. More than you'd think. You know, Way more making than you'd baby think. doc jokes. Fun yeah. fact, you know who used to roll with uh, with that dude? Yeah. Baby Duvalier? Yeah. Mother Teresa. Hmm. Uh-oh. Just so you know, him and the Contras. Hmm. And uh, the second part of that, in reference to uh, Blanca, as I'm calling him because that's his actual name, it's not Blanca. That's bullshit. He, he, it's, isn't he like Brazilian or something in the game? Like, it's Blanca. That's the pronunciation. All right? Why would it be Blanca if it's Brazilian? Blanca's Spanish. Or whatever. He's something. He's that. He's whatever. He's that? Yeah. <laughs> 
he's Brazilian or he's from Spain or I forget the you know when you see the 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 map. He's right. It is a K though. Yeah, but that's maybe that's like an Americanization. An Americanization know? of a Brazilian man with Spanish pronunciation of his name. Precisely. From a Japanese video game. <laughs> I don't remember where he's from. I can see the map in my head of like everybody's from somewhere. I don't remember That's where Blanca's from, man. you know? Everybody's from somewhere. Yeah. Like uh, Ryu and Ken and all them, they're they're from specific places. Where's you, Ken from? Ken's from America. What a dickhead name. Ken? <laughs> uh, hey, I came here for the big fight tournament. My name's Ken. <laughs> Does anybody like Ken or use Ken? Do we have a uh, continental breakfast or... Isn't he the same as Ryu, though? Like, he's the Mario and Luigi of that, like them two. Like, they have the exact same moves or essentially. I played as Luigi in Street Fighter. Yeah. Yeah. I was Peach. Yeah, I could see that. Because you could jump and then you could float forward, like in Super Mario Brothers 2. Shout out to my homeboy Jeff, who only plays as Peach in uh, video games where it's an option. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> How you doing there, <laughs> Jeff? He just loves Peach. <laughs> I usually go uh, Luigi if I'm playing Mario Party or whatever. But if I'm going Cart, I'm going Yoshi or Toad. If you were going as one Toad of rules. the... Yeah, Tub you'll... rules? <laughs> Toad rules. Tubs Toad. rule? Toad. You like Toad? Toad. See, if we were playing, then I would be forced to use Yoshi instead of Toad. Oh, I'd probably take Bowser. Oh, really? Bowser's good at those corners, which is his secret. Okay. I went for aesthetics. I never went for any... Oh, uh... <laughs> really? Yeah. Who was always an aesthetics. What was the aesthetics choice? I liked uh, Luigi. I thought he had a funny face okay. and a silly voice, and mm. uh, he was a nice green color. What did you guys use in Mario Tennis? I never played Mario Tennis. Oh, I did Wario while Luigi. Oh, I did Boo and Koopa. Oh yeah, I was good real good too. with I was real good with Boo. Like you don't even understand. I was real good with Boo. Do you understand? I don't. No. I never played Mario Tennis. I was I was real good with Boo. Mario Tennis is amazing, by the way. You should you should uh, seek that one out on the sixty four. I get in on that. Yeah. Uh, John, what's your take on Waluigi as an aesthetic? Ah, oh, Waluigi, the uh, the bilious slough of the uh, Mario world. <laughs> Just the, the that ugly, sentence has never been said. The ugly wretch lurched out of the caves like fucking like an orphaned uh, goth, a Visigoth. Just haunting the streets. Is this your rags. Waluigi's think piece? Just a horrible man. Yeah. With a horrible face. Wow. Oh, yeah, and his horrible... Wow. Oh. Mm. I played oh. it as him, as him a lot. I loved it. <laughs> John, this is a long time to make you do the Waluigi noise live on air. I, I know. It's been like 70 episodes people have been trying to get that out of me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, check out another voicemail. Thanks for clearing up that joke, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate it. Somebody got it. Hey, this is Thomas again uh, from that one episode a ways back. Um, I've got two questions uh the first one is i walked out of batman v superman last weekend and it was just this like weird and miserable and contradictory movie and i know um at least one of you's seen it and i just wanted to hear like more about that because whatever discussion was happening on twitter was pretty good and the other one is uh much broader it's um what are some uh movies that you're excited for or want to see in the future like next year, next two years, uh, or just like imaginary ones that you wish will get made. I know I'm super excited about the Blade Runner sequel because Villeneuve, or however you say his name, is uh, pretty great with visuals, and I can't wait to see what he does with that world. That's all that is. So, <laughs> yeah, bye, I hope. 
these questions get some interesting discussion rolling. All right, Thomas. It's pronounced Villanova. It's actually going to be directed by the whole Villanova basketball team. Really? Yeah. See, that's a fun fact. Yeah. How are they going to split up duties? Well, I would assume the team captain would ah, yes. take the lead on that, that one. That um, makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. I mean, they're a team. They should be able to handle Blade Runner, too. I think so. It's not that fucking hard. No. You know, put a spinner in and add some mist and make somebody sad about being a robot and you're halfway there. Yes. I would I would absolutely agree. And uh, Batman v Superman, I think you're the only one of us who's seen it, uh, John. Jesus, what the fucking... I mean, you two are so <laughs> smart. You're so smart to have not seen it. I saw it on Easter because how better do you celebrate the death of God? Um, uh, Yeah, and it was so fucking bad that like the more I talked about it, the more it just like exhausted me to even think about. Like it's just a draining, miserable fucking just a wiener movie. Mm. Just a total waste. Um, I've never seen that much open texting in a movie than in the last hour of that one. People were just because it goes on for so long. And it always, it's never like you have any false hope that it's going to end soon. It goes on for a long time and you're always very aware of how much longer there is to go. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. So the last hour, like people just, they gave up. People were uh, just texting, uh, just reading articles, it seemed like, on their phone, you know, just like long flipping. Yeah. And nobody was complaining because everybody was doing it. At one point, I just left for 15 minutes. <laughs> I, ordered, um, I ordered a soda and I just drank it in the lobby while looking at the posters for the upcoming movies. Uh, and then I came back in, and it was still going. Still going. Man. Yeah, it was a terrible, miserable, horrible, no good, very bad movie. But the music was dope. Yeah, you sent me some uh, tracks from it. The Wonder Woman theme in particular is great. All right, let's do, in post, you're going to add 10 seconds of the Wonder Woman theme right now. All right. And now we've heard that. That was good, right? Cody, you're just going to play like John going wah for like 10 <laughs> seconds, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. And I, you mean, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, incredible, uh, that Wonder Woman thing. And uh, you sent me the uh, Lex Luthor. Thing yeah, let's well. get 10 seconds of the Lex theme. All right. Yeah. It's pretty good too, right? Lex. Very different why, why vibe. Did you, Very that good. hurt my ears, man. Yeah. Sorry, um, I, I hit the button for Mersbo by accident. <laughs> I always have that ready as a drop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, other than the music, was there anything you you dug? I mean, the actors really tried. Uh, it poor, was a good cast, right? Poor Ben Affleck. I feel like he uh, it's a monkey's paw situation with him, and he decided he was going to be a superhero guy because mm. he's now played Batman, Superman, and Daredevil, and um, each time he puts in his all, and it's just not there for him. Yeah. <laughs> Though uh, his Superman movie, Hollywoodland, I thought was pretty good. Too long, but pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was a bad, a bad, bad film. Are you looking forward at all to... No. Are you... Uh, <laughs> to his his Batman movie? Whatever it is in the world of that movie, I'm not looking forward to okay. it. Okay. There's no possible way to continue doing what they were doing, and I would look forward to it. Got it. It was very bad. <laughs> I can't stress I, I this that. enough. I feel that coming off of you. Uh, I, I'm sorry that you had to go through that experience. All 900 hours. Yeah. Batman's idiot parents die in the first scene because they wear pearls oh and furs God. to go see Excalibur in a bad neighborhood in New York in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I like that fucking Excalibur. That yeah. kind of just like sets the... 
I feel like that kind of set the tone for what the pacing of that movie was going to be too. Yeah, it's like, I mean, hey, if, if gonna you're going to like Excalibur, if you're going to see Excalibur at Forty Second Street in 1981, <laughs> and you're wearing a pearl necklace at ten at night, <laughs> it's just don't do First it. First of all, I fuck mean, that's you. not even on the criminal at that point. Yeah, you know, that's entrapment. Mm-hmm. You're starting your temple epic movie though, uh, too. I don't think you really want to recall like one of those not very good John Borman epics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, maybe the next Superman movie will just start with 20 minutes of Exorcist 2. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the middle of this movie reminded me of Exorcist 2. Really? You remember all the weird bugs that you couldn't understand what they were doing in Exorcist 2? Yeah. And now there's just this scene where there's like a bunch of weird bugs and you're like, all right, what's, what's happening here? And they never tell you. Same exact thing in Batman Superman. There's a part where Batman's having some sort of a nightmare uh, where he's beating up Superman in a desert and Superman's eye-lasering people. And then the Flash shows up to tell you that they're going to make a Flash movie in a few years. Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> Is that a commercial? Ba- almost certainly, Is yeah. that like when you're watching TV in like the lower third, like it's like coming up next? No, they literally, like- <laughs> in the middle of this movie, stop so that Wonder Woman can watch the trailers for the upcoming superhero movies. <laughs> but then after the Flash goes away, all the bad guys turn into these flying bug monsters and they go away. And um, and it's supposed to be some big prophecy for something, but I don't know what happened. Mm. And nobody I saw the movie with, which was like 10 people, nobody could explain the bugs to me. And then I went to the internet and I couldn't figure it out. Mm. So it's the exorcist too. It's just, you know, <laughs> fucking <laughs> bug people. Did you get any bug experts on the on the case? Oh yeah, I should get some entomologists. Does, uh, yeah. Does Batman v Superman have a scene where Richard Burton goes to a tribe of Africans living on the side of a cliff and tells them how gravity works? No, but it does have the big, dumb, fat, idiot Batman um, letting a whole bunch of imprisoned Chinese sex workers out of their cell, but they refuse to leave because they're too scared of Batman, which is like one of those (laughs) things that I feel like if you're 14, you would like write that... (laughs) Like on fanfiction.net and be like, this is too fucking badass. This is like a badass Batman. You know, he's even scaring the 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 people in sex slavery. But then as an adult, you're like, well, there's like a five-year-old kid in front of me at this movie. You probably shouldn't have sex slaves in it. And you probably shouldn't have them be terrified of the hero. <laughs> calling him the devil and refusing to leave their sex slave rape cage because they're afraid of him. Right. Because this is a Superman movie. Christopher Reeves didn't do that. No. I I honestly, you, uh, I, I do not remember that from any of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Did you see that thing Zack Snyder said in that interview? That like, somebody asked him like, oh, well, if his mom got kidnapped, why didn't Superman just use his like powers to find his mom calling for him? And Zack Snyder was like, oh, yeah, we thought about that. But we like we shot a scene where Superman tries that, but he's overwhelmed by calls for help. And I just think that Superman should be picking and choosing who he helps. And like he doesn't need to be fighting this ever ending battle against good. He should just do it when he feels like it or something. That dude is real fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like there's a part where Lex Luthor um, gives Superman a whole bunch of Polaroids of his mother bound and gagged. (laughs) <laughs> and it's another one of those situations where you're like, well, the kid in front of me is literally like five to seven years old. Right. I knew I knew Lex Luthor gave Holly Hunter a jar of piss. I didn't know yeah. about the Polaroids. <laughs> yeah, he gives people a jar of piss and then a dude's mother bound and gagged with a flamethrower in front of her. I'm not into it. No. If I'm being real. I don't like that. I don't want to see that. No, that was the whole thing. You just I didn't want to see any of it. 
Is it like Scoot McNary in like a wheelchair for an hour being angry and then he explodes or something? Yeah, as a, a big part of the very tasteless 9-11 pastiche <laughs> through the whole thing, which I get that blockbuster movies are like doing a lot of 9-11 imagery and you can't really escape it. But like when you have a New York tower that's on fire and everybody's in the top floor and they're waiting for Batman to come save them and not even going down the stairs. I really don't like that. Yeah. That really... That bothers me a lot. That bothers me quite a bit. And then the bound and gagged mother thing bothers me quite, just quite a bit. And the uh, sex slaves in the rape cage, I don't need that. Nah. You know, I don't need that for my Easter afternoon. That's not how I be. Or any afternoon, really. Yeah. Uh, it was a fucking terrible movie. And then everyone's like, oh, you know, Wonder Woman was really great. And yeah, so at least there's that. And yeah, she was. But then I Googled it because it was like, this isn't quite what they're saying. And I, I Googled exactly how long she's in the movie for. Seven minutes. Oh, man. <laughs> of a three-hour movie. Possibly you know, a 12-hour movie. Uh, one of the women from the Vuvalini and Mad Max to be Wonder Woman, and then they decided not to go with her. Yeah, she was going to be in George Miller's movie, which is how she wound up in Mad Max. Oh, dope. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The old George Miller Justice League. So is there any upcoming movies you're looking forward to that uh address that part of the question. Uh, I'm pretty interested in uh, the Spielberg BFG that's coming out. Cause like Spielberg's Spielberg making and- a movie about the gun from doom. Yep. Yeah. Oh, badical. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a uh, Tom Cruise just uh, killing people with the BFG. Yep. That's a short movie. Cause that was a great gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, he and Roald Dahl seem like a good mix. Did you see the trailer? That'd be interesting. I watched the teaser a long time ago. I'm just, I, I'm curious enough about it already. I'm I, just not going to watch the trailer. I saw the, the the new trailer. I think it came out like a week ago. Um, there's some shots in it where it looks really, really, really good. Other shots, it looks kind of Zemeckis, like Beowulf-y. Um, oh, no. So it, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to be really yet. I think uh, that might just be because it's a trailer and it's not yeah, final. It might carbs. not. It might not be fully. Spielberg's finished. usually very good with that, you know. Yeah, there's some stuff like yeah. there was a shot of his hand coming into frame, and you saw like really like every little wrinkle in his hand, and it looked amazing, and it was lit gorgeously. But then, like right after that, you see like a shot of his face, and it's Beowulf City, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, where I was born. Yeah, you were born in Beowulf City, right? New Jersey. Beowulf yeah. City, New Jersey. I was not born in New Jersey. <laughs> I was born in New York. Uh, Part of what's uh, kind of intriguing to me is that that book ends with a fucking genocide. So kind of curious to see how Spielberg ends it. Could be what interesting. What the hell yeah. is the BFG? You never read the Roald Dahl BFG? Big fucking giant? <laughs> no. Yeah. Big fuck off giant. Like, uh <laughs> Hey, look like at this kid. big fuck off giant. Yeah. Roll yeah. doll here. All right, I'm out. No, it's a it's a story he he wrote for kids. It's uh I just I just recited the whole thing. Yeah. It's big yep. friendly giant. It's uh it's Oh, good, I'm aware no, of no, that. No, no, it is big I've fuck heard off of that. giant. It's friendly in the Americanized version, oh, yeah. but like um, it's big fuck off giant. Yeah. I know that's not true because if it was British, it would be called the fuck off huge giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. F-H-G. I know you're a liar. I've heard yeah. of the big friendly. He's he's a giant and he's big and friendly. Oh, I definitely. Presume yes. Um, so how who's wiped out in it? Uh, the they're the, Navi. the big friendly giant because all the other giants are like disgusting, like savages. 
And at the end of the movie, they like enlist the queen and the US, or the British military into tricking all the gross giants into falling into a pit. And then all the gross giants just eventually kill each other because they got nothing else to do. Well, that's not like, a genocide. That's a, uh, that's a kill pit. Those are two different <laughs> things. I mean, it's an orchestrated genocide, you know. Listen, if you put a bunch of people in a pit and they kill each other, that's as much on them as on you. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't have put them in a pit in the first place, but if your first instinct when you and all your buddies fall into a pit is to just kill each other, you know, eventually you were going to do it out of the pit. Yeah. yeah. These are the weird nuances I want the director of Schindler's <laughs> List to explore. That's that's what I'm excited for. If uh, if uh, Wynorski was uh, directing this, it would be called Kill Pit, for sure. Mm. That's my little uh, nerd movie joke of the day. I don't think a lot of people know who Wynorski is, right? I just ate some chicken and it's really hot. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> There's a chili sitting right on my tongue. Oh God! And that's the kill pit. Mm. Do you know who Wynorski is, Carl? Nope. He did a chopping mall. Which oh, okay. Originally called Kill Bots, so I was going along with that. Who's the dude who did Kill List? Uh, ben Wheatley, right? Yeah, Ben Wheatley. That would probably have been a better joke for me to make. It's a little more topical. Yeah, should have went Wheatley over Wynorski. Uh, upcoming movies for me. I'm always looking forward to any Woody Allen, uh, just in general. I always, uh, check those out. And he's I always, still alive? Yeah. What's he got on the pipe? He's got, uh, well, he's got the one that was supposed to be with Bruce Willis, but nobody can work with Bruce Willis anymore, apparently. And he got dropped from it and that got recast. I can't. It feels like a bad pair anyway. Yeah. I don't, I, I didn't really see it working, but I was like crossing my fingers, but I forget who he got replaced with, but uh, it's Kristen Stewart, Jesse Eisenberg, a couple other people. Looks like a good cast. Uh, I'm off Eisenberg now. Really? Batman did it for me. Oh, man. Done with him. Was he particularly bad in it, or was he just not He right was the worst it? one. Really? But I it, honestly, the... it might just have been big miscasting. I really think it was just a... I, I, can't, well, I don't know why they went that route. What were you going to say, Carl? I rather enjoyed him in American Ultra recently. Yeah, American Ultra's great. Yeah. I like that one a lot. That's a good one. Yeah, it's it's just why him as Lex Luthor. I still don't get it. It was really bad. They were trying to do like a Zuckerberg thing with him, but it just didn't work. I would have preferred them do a Zucker Brothers thing, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, me too. And then it made me think of the RoboCop remake and how it did uh, a Steve Jobs thing for Omni uh, Core, mm. and it was like the best part of that movie. And I was like, "Fuck you, Zack Snyder." He got trumped by the RoboCop remake. <laughs> 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 crushed by the RoboCop remake. That is saying a lot. Crushed by virtue of the RoboCop remake being kind of just, uh. I would put it like maybe two degrees above, uh. I'd put it at like, eh. Yeah. With like a hopeful question mark at the end. Like, eh. Because it has moments in it where it's like really working. Hmm. Yeah. I like when he wakes up in that uh, factory. Oh, yeah. In the, in the iPhone factory. Yeah. What are you looking up forward to, uh, John? I want to see the nice guys. I think it looks funny. That's uh, Russell Crowe, right? And, yeah, uh, and Ryan yeah. Gosling. Uh, that could be fun. And my boy uh, Shane Black, writer of Lethal Weapon. Yes. Oh, yeah. Famously killed by a log in Predator. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace. Well, he's still alive. Not in Predator. True. Rest in peace in the Predator universe. <laughs> Which is a sentence you say a lot in general, <laughs> yeah, well, just you know, in life. Jesse the Body, rest in peace in the Predator universe. Yes. Carl Weathers. Rest in peace in the Predator universe. Mm. Those four guys that got skinned in that helicopter <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. Which scarred me as a youth. Yeah. 
Rest in peace in the Predator universe. The Predator. Rest in peace in the Predator universe. <laughs> you, uh, you wasn't look- that just a Predator, not yeah. the Predator? That's true. A Predator. Several R-R-D. Predators. Rest in peace in yeah. the Predator universe. <laughs> You're looking forward to Avatar 2, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Don't know if it's ever going to happen. Here's the thing about old Avatar 1. I saw Avatar 1 when it came out a couple times in theaters, because everybody did, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. And then time passes, and I read all these articles about how, like, Avatar was the top-grossing movie of all time and made no impact on pop culture, and nobody remembers it, nobody likes it. And I was like, well, that just doesn't feel right. Hmm. So then I started thinking I was getting brainwashed. Uh, you can blame Brad Avery for this, because he kept sending me these articles about how... Um, how little impact Avatar had on Shout movies. Shout out to Brad. Yeah, and I was like, that doesn't feel right, Brad. Doesn't feel right at all. So I watched Avatar again, like, a couple months ago. Avatar is really good. And I can't believe I'm surprised that this movie that I saw and liked and made all the money in the world, still really good. It's a lot of fun. Um, the bad guy is really very good, better than you remember him. And He was um, my favorite thing in it when I saw it. Yeah, he's terrific. And the the color... And the this the cinematography and the sense of movement in that movie really is wonderful. I think it's the movie that killed um, desaturation, right? Which is the greatest legacy any movie can leave. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was two thousand nine, and two years before that was the Bourne Ultimatum. Ooh, you know, like this was a period where every movie was green and black. And Avatar is it looks like a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, you know? Yeah, I mean it is colorful. It really has that going for it. And I think it just crushed desaturation. It just ended it. And Life of Pi kind of aped that right afterwards. And for, I only saw the trailer for Life of Pi, but that looked more like just an orange filter over everything. Well, there was a there's like a hallucinatory type sequence where ah, it's really? very neon, very Avatar. Actually, the the Star cool. Wars, uh, Star Trek, the old Star Trek movie, the J.J. Abrams one, the first one, which was the year Avatar was, was also pretty colorful. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, that one, I guess, sort of snuck in under the radar, too. But then the second one wasn't at all. Into Darkness was Into Darkness. Oof. Fuck that movie. Carl, you haven't made it that far in the old trucks, have you? No, I mean, I've seen the J.J. Abrams ones before. What do you think of them? Uh, the first one I love, the Into Darkness sucks, though. So It's a big yeah. shitbox, right? It's terrible. Did movie. you know, did you know Kurt, uh, Kurt, of Kurtzman and Orsi, Kurtzman oversaw a side comic book that was designed to describe why Khan was white. I hate every like they, every they word in that sentence made the previous word worse. I understood none yeah. of it because I didn't and see did it. did a shoot off comic of just like, here's why Khan Noonien Singh is white in our movie. I hated that fucking movie. I hated Benedict Cumberbatch's stupid lizard face. I hated the casting. I hated the color grading. I hated the plot. I hated the fact that they had Admiral Robocop in the back and never used him. Oh my God, what a fucking waste. Yeah, waste of a good Robocop. I'd have to like go and look at it shot for shot, but I have a feeling that they added that spaceship crashing to the end in post because like that happens yeah. and then they go into like a perfectly normal foot chase and there's yeah. no sign of the destruction that was just caused anywhere. I believe that. Also, yeah. rest in peace, Admiral Robocop in the Star Trek universe. Mm. <laughs> and the Predator universe. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, he's probably gone there too. There's, there's an unseen movie there, RoboCop versus Predator. Remember RoboCop versus Terminator? Those uh, comic books. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, I think they were like Frank Miller and a something. video game. Yeah, there was a video game of that. Yeah, not good, but it existed. All right, here we go. Five Terminator movies, four RoboCop movies. Rank them all inclusive. 
Oh shit. Okay. Let me get out. That's kind of easy. Man. All right, he's got to calculate. You do well, he calculates. All right. Wait, are we ranking them on the same scale? Or are we yeah, we them? are. So, oh, okay. Okay, so it's ter- it's literally Terminator versus Demolition RoboCop. fucking derby time. Okay, number one, fuck you, RoboCop. Number two. Ooh, <laughs> controversial choice. Terminator one. Number three, Terminator two. Then the rest of the RoboCops and then the rest of the Terminators. They're you all, phoned that one in. They're at the all end just there. sludge. They're all you just phoned sludge. that one in. But the, some sludge is better than the other sludge. The Robocop sludge is better than Terminator sludge. I'm going to go T2, number one. Okay. T1 screenplay, number two. Ooh. Robocop film, number three. Terminator 1 film, number four. Because Terminator 1 is like the perfect screenplay. But mm. Robocop, it just comes together so well. I mean, they're almost neck and neck, Terminator and Robocop. Yeah. I'd give the edge to Robocop a little bit. Then Robocop 2, which isn't that bad. Got Tom Noonan. Yeah. Uh, Terminator 3, which is when they start to get pretty bad. Uh, and then, um, actually, no, above that would be the Robocop remake. Then Terminator 3. And then the rest in a big shitty dumpster. Genesis, <laughs> which you still haven't seen. No, I saw. Oh, wait, I didn't see that one. I yeah. saw the other one, which is the one I did see. Salvation. Salvation. <laughs> Whew. Oh, man. Genesis. You you still need to see the first five minutes of it because you're not going to believe that it actually exists. Carl, you've seen Genesis, right? Yeah. Uh, shockingly, I would put Genesis over the other shitty Terminator sequels. Like, not two. Two is probably my number one out of all those. But, like, three, Salvation, and Genesis. I'd put Genesis over the other two. But, like, it's it's all garbage at that point. Yeah. See, three matter. is yeah. bad, but I didn't think it was nearly as bad as four. No, I completely agree there. Four so this the one is lot. better than three. I think it's it's it takes uh, three has a lot of like humor sensibility and like uh, there's a feel to three. I just really don't like that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Humor. Yeah, it's like um, a little flat. And, didn't Genesis feel to you like a sci-fi original movie? Like that's how it felt oh, totally, to me. Genesis totally, felt like at least. It feels oh, like a Terminator I was trying to talk about Salvation right. again. Yeah. These yeah. titles are so vague. Yeah, yeah. They're hard to get. Go right. on. It felt yeah. like a Terminator movie. Genesis feels more like a Terminator movie than Salvation or 3 does. But like, again, it still sucks. It's yeah. still shit. Remember that time Terminator Salvation featured a woman named Blood Moongold? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Moon Bloodgood, I think, was her name. Rest in peace, Blood Moongold in the Predator and Terminator universes. That's like, uh, that's an 80s comic book name, Blood Moon Gold. That would be somebody who was like a half witch, like living in present day with a boob window in her costume, but she lived in like a loft in New York, you know? So if you had to watch a, uh, a RoboCop sequel or a Terminator sequel right now, barring Terminator 2 from this, you fucker. I haven't seen any Which of the one RoboCop would you watch? sequels, so that's my vote's a RoboCop sequel. I would watch I RoboCop 3 right now. RoboCop 3 is psychotically bad. I love it. RoboCop 3 it's is... crazy. Is, um, RoboCop 3 is aggressively bad, is the word. They, which doesn't mean it's worse yeah. than the other ones, because I would say Salvation, which is not aggressively bad, is easily the worst of all of them. But RoboCop 3 is insistent. You know how maybe the only good Family Guy joke is that... Um, the Godfather insists oh God. upon itself. It's that's the best goddamn joke. Well, the Godfather is like insistently good, you know. It's <laughs> it's almost overachieving, but RoboCop three is like um, rebelliously awful. 
You know, like that's a movie that would just, uh, that's a movie that would pull the, the nuclear launch keys. That's a movie that doesn't give a shit about you, what you want. It probably hangs out outside the fucking uh, 7-Eleven and spits gum at people as they walk out the doors. <laughs> There's a shot in RoboCop 3 that I would actually put up there with one of the best shots in RoboCop, which is there's a there's a shot of him in the church. It's kind of like a long shot. It's just him walking down the corridor of the church. It looks gorgeous. Uh, that's the best thing in the entire film. But I would watch it right now. I like the, uh, what's the like karate guy? There's like a... Oh, the karate guy. Yeah, the guy with oh the Oh my Samurai God, remember sword. the jetpack? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> RoboCop 3 is like a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> like you can't even hate it. You're just like... What's wrong with you? It's like, uh, yeah, it's like the outsiders. It's just like, come on, kid, get, yeah. go to school, get on track. All this just makes me want to watch it really bad right now. I I own it. I should watch it. I would watch the RoboCop remake right now. Yeah. I'd say, let's do it. <laughs> let's watch Michael Keaton as evil Steve Jobs. Fair enough. Uh, and it's going to get Michael Keaton in the RoboCop universe. Yeah. Does he, die? he dies in that, right? I mean, yeah, RoboCop the- kills him. He's That's got- a key feature of RoboCop. He's got to die. But who killed Waluigi? Oh, um, probably Tom Noonan okay. as the evil RoboCop. Actually, RoboCop 2 has its, its Hold points. Hold up. Hold up. Tom Noonan is the evil RoboCop in RoboCop 2? Is that what you're Shit, telling yeah, me? Yeah, he is, and he's all oh stop motion. Oh my God, I need to watch RoboCop. He's all Carl. stop motion with, a, with a, a face that's just like a like a TV screen with his face on it. <laughs> oh my God. RoboCop 2 Holy shit. also has a great uh, hit by car shot. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Or maybe I'm thinking of the first one. RoboCop one has the greatest yeah, hit by okay. car. When that guy gets toxic waste. Fuck, why was I yeah, thinking turns that was into toxic two? waste and he splatters all over the car? Why did this, I think that was two? What's rest wrong in peace, Emil from RoboCop One in yeah. the RoboCop universe. I could have sworn that was two. No, Does that's Tom and RoboCop have a little speaker that plays Inagata DeVito when he's killing people. He can in your fan edit. Cool. Anything can happen in your fan edit. All right. I think we're about ready to wrap it up here. Folks, I'm not. You know, <laughs> he's raring to go. We're talking about RoboCop. Keep asking edits. questions about Tom Noon and RoboCop, man. <laughs> One time I saw a fan edit of Terminator Three. Any good? <laughs> it was not that bad. Yeah. It took all the uh, all the like really intense jokes out of it. Hmm. Um, like the part where he's in the gay bar. They cut that. Good. Uh, they cut the part where her boobs get bigger when she turns into the boob lady. That I can. Oh roll. Jesus! I forgot about that. I can bullshit. roll with that. Yeah. It was called The Storm's Approaching, or The Coming Storm, or The Day of the Storm, or Storm Bearers. Have you seen that, uh, that one actually pretty good joke that they deleted from the movie? Like oh, the with, are you talking about Arnold when he's... Yeah, and he's like, ha, I'm Major Pike. Yeah, 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 that was pretty good. Do you know about this? I saw it, yeah, on YouTube. That's a deleted scene where he does the... Uh, it's a commercial, right? Yeah, he's playing the, the, the body of... Yeah. Carl, explain it for the people. <laughs> um, there's a deleted scene in Terminator 3 where they explain why exactly the Terminator looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's like a, uh, it's like a Cyberdyne has like a little corporate video of like, here's our perfect candidate that we chose to, <laughs> to be as our model for the robot. And it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger jogging. And he's like this like celebrated uh, army soldier guy. And then he turns to the camera and starts talking like, hello, my name's Major Pine. How you doing? <laughs> and then uh, they're showing it to a bunch of Austrian investors. And one of the Austrian investors like finishes watching this and says in an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, I think we can fix the boss. Like, it's pretty cool. Would that go in your fan edit? 
I'd put that in my fan edit. I think that's a funny scene. All right, folks. Thank you all for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye.